Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we fuse into an Ouroboros, so it's not weird when we laugh at our own jokes. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including one direct behind us and one direct ahead of us. And then on Thursday, we're actually going to be talking about the Nintendo Direct Mini Partner Showcase. But Mark, in the meantime, how's it going? It's going great. I am so excited to be in the same room Same with you, room. Breathing the same air, breathing on each other. Bre- look, we're just like mesh. We, we put our nostrils up next to each other. <laughs> I breathe out, Mark breathes in, just back and forth like this for however long it takes us to record this However long it takes. Uh, However long it takes for us to uh, communicate COVID to each other. Um, Yeah, it's maybe uh, a a trick of the podcasting is that, um, you know, were we together last week to talk about Mario sports games? No, we weren't. Um, So yes, it it is truly a delight to be spending some time with you, my good friend. Mark. Yes, absolutely. So excited to be here. Back at it. Back at the Sonic Forces borrowing program, you bet. Sure could be. All you got to do, would you like to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces? You can. All you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com and give us a mailing address. We can send you my copy of Sonic Forces for Nintendo Switch. You play it for as long as you want. You send it back. I've paid for postage both ways. Um, it doesn't cost you anything. It's a perfect borrowing program. There may be a copy of Untitled Goose Game in there instead of uh, Sonic Forces. Do not be alarmed. Don't be alarmed. This is just the thing that happens. Uh, you can either play that or not. Same as Sonic Forces for as long as you want. Look, you could play your own copy of Sonic Forces when I send you my copy of Untitled Goose Game. That's, it's not against the rules. It's not against the rules. The only rule, and this actually is in the rule book, that uh, a golden retriever cannot play Sonic Forces. Oh, man. Well, it's uh, we need some rules. Rules are rules. Here's another thing you can do. You can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere that you get your podcasts. We appreciate it so much when you do. It really helps people find the show. Um, We believe, I think everybody believes we're in this uh, shared delusion. If this is not true, like the entire world is in this shared delusion that the more five-star reviews you get, the higher you rank in search results. Yes. Mark, I believe this is true. I believe this to be true as well. I have no proof, but I have faith. And if you leave us a five-star review on the U.S. Apple Podcast Store, like a written review, we can see it, and we will give you a shout-out on the show. If you leave us a review anywhere else, we can't see it. Can't see we, it. But we still want to give you a shout-out. So please hit us up on Twitter. Send us an email. Let us know so we can give you a shout-out. Thank you so much to everybody who has left us a five-star review. It really means a lot. Yeah, we appreciate it greatly. Also, uh, you should get in our Discord. Um, that is a place where we are having nice Friendly, fun, funny conversations about Nintendo stuff. Um, If you don't know anything about Discord, if you are a Discord newbie, a Discord baby like Mark and I were, um, just know that you're in good company. Uh, We don't know what we're doing in that thing. We're having fun conversations. Uh, If you would like to be invited to the Discord, just send us an email, hit us up on Twitter, and we will happily welcome you into the fold. Um, and then before we get into like the meat of the episode here, kind of just wanted to acknowledge uh, that the uh, what's going on in the United States right now uh, sucks. Um, the Supreme Court decision that uh, effectively overturns Roe versus Wade is uh, a tragedy and uh, a lot of people are going to die as a, as a result of it. Um, and it's just uh, obviously not this show is not about that stuff and this show is an escape. Uh, And we appreciate that, and we uh, intend to honor that escape nature. But we just want to acknowledge that we're not aliens. Uh, We're affected by this stuff. We feel a lot. Um, It's hard to know what the calls to action are at this point. I know in the past we've been like, you know, register to vote. And and all that stuff is still important. And talk to other people who are, you know, uh, on the fence about uh, voting when all that happens. It's not enough, um, but it all needs to happen. Um, 
so yeah, I just want to say that like if if those are uh, things that you're feeling too, and like uh, <laughs> it feels like a curse, I hope that you are feeling them too. Uh, know that you're not alone. We're experiencing that as well. Uh, it's something that is constantly on our minds um, and that we're talking about uh, while the mics are not on. Um, but the show is about Nintendo, and uh, you know we're gonna try to keep doing this show uh, for you. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm open to this being like a, a, a conversation. If uh, there's more that people think that we can do with this show, uh, we don't have a huge reach, but like, you know, we're, we're open, but talk to us. Um, we we want to know you're not alone. Let's uh, get through this thing together. It, however, <laughs> however long that takes. Um, did I, did I cover that? Okay, Mark. Yes. Thank you for okay. saying that. Um, all right. Let's change tone and talk about what we've been playing this week. Uh, Mark, I keep playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. Um, have you got an opportunity to play this game? No, I haven't yet. Um, when you say that you like you're still playing it, what does that mean? Because I can't imagine that the campaign is like campaign so is not long. very long. No, um, but it's each of the characters are different enough that I find it rewarding to go back through with a new character and play all the way through. I, it is of course fun to play it both uh, by myself and like with other people. So like the experience of playing the game. Uh, each different time through it is like rewarding in its in its own way. Um, I just recently played through the arcade mode, which uh, you have a finite number of lives. Uh, normally, um, in the the story mode, you can uh, <laughs> you can continue um, and like your lives are refreshed at the beginning of of each level. But the arcade mode is just like what you have the the three lives plus whatever one-ups you get throughout to like try to make it all the way to the end. Um, and I just played through that by myself with April and it took like three hours to get all the way through it. Uh, but I was having a great time. Like the game is so fun and like sort of legit deep where the combat is concerned that like there, there are things to learn and like things to get better at. Like it is not, uh, it doesn't feel like final fight. It doesn't feel like the games in the Capcom, uh, beat em up bundle. Um, it is a, like deep combat rich turtles game that's really fun because i feel like on you know this show that we talk about a lot of games and a lot of games that we're like excited about or interested in and i uh, i feel like it is rare that a game that we actually like a game <laughs> well then it like lives up to the that yeah. like potential mm -hmm. right that it's like and it sounds like this is fulfilling the promise that you were excited about yeah totally and that that's that's really that's really awesome. It kind of reminds me, I don't know if it'll end up being like this, but it kind of reminds me of like Hades and how Hades, you know, like you got so into it. And it's just, it's fun when the, uh, a game comes out that is that special. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Well, and like, I don't want to oversell this. It's not Hades, right? Sure. Um, and when I look back at the amount of time I put into Hades, it's like hundreds of hours. <laughs> I, I, I've probably got another, like, 10 hours with uh, Shredder's Revenge, right? Um, but, like, I've loved all of all of the time with it. Um, e even when, like, I, I, my eyes start to cross a little bit because I've just been, like, beating up foot soldiers for... Dr. Mario for Syndrome. 100%. Um, that it's still, like, rewarding and, and fun uh, and cute. Like, um, the character designs are so close to the uh, original, like, 80s cartoon designs. Um, but they're cuter like they, they ev everything has been like updated to like a slightly more modern aesthetic um that still borrows so heavily from the original animated series um like it's just it's just exactly what i want it to look like and feel like and sound like um i like i just don't think i could have imagined a better ninja turtles game yeah that's awesome that is so rare yeah you know yes yeah um and i i mentioned last week that uh it's cool to see the the turtles using their moves from other um, Ninja Turtles games. Um, playing as April, April is so infrequently a playable character in these kinds of games. Um, but her, she's got a bunch of moves that are very Chun Li like. Um, she's got a, a rising kick that like she does. It's it's just like the move that Chun Li has in Street Fighter Three, where you do like the dragon punch but with a kick. Um, where she like just kicks up three times, like in, as she kind of like flips around. Um, and then there's also a 
uh, if you are dashing and push the special attack that she basically does um, Chun-Li's like super move, ultra move, whatever it's called in uh, in Street Fighter 3, um, like from that famous Evo moment. Uh, it's, just, it's, it's just cool to see them like, it's not just Turtles games that they're borrowing from. There's also some Street Fighter in there too, which like no complaints from me, man. I love that set of references. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and then uh, I, I know you've got some big news uh, game related, so I just wanted to touch on uh, that I uh, have been playing through the Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes demo. How is this? Uh, really good. Whoa. I know. I know. Buckle up. <laughs> I think I love it. Um, so the, first of all, the demo huge it's the first four chapters of the game oh wow which i've been i'm not done with i've been playing for over three hours um so like if you are curious about this at all go check it out it is free to play the demo um and i hope uh progress carries over because i'm almost certainly going to buy this game um and it uh you know it is taking the the premise of of uh, fire emblem three houses and almost immediately throwing uh like the story out the window in, in favor of a new story. Um, you know how uh, Three Houses like does a, a time jump uh-huh. uh, halfway through and it's like five years later? This game, uh, after the first chapter, it's like, and two years later. Oh. <laughs> and like, and like we're not at the monastery anymore and like all, all this stuff. Um, and it's just, I'm so happy to be spending time with those characters again. Um and this time I've I've gone with the 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 black eagles. Uh-huh. Um, so the my my precious golden deer I've I've left behind. Um, but like, there's still a bunch of characters in there that I had recruited when I played Three Houses. Um, so it's like I'm like oh yeah I'm hanging out with a uh, 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 is it like P- uh, Piet Pietra the, the 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 woman who's like from another um, yeah it's been so long yeah. but. I yeah, but like her, Dorothea, the uh, like the opera singer, and Caspar were all people that I had uh, recruited in my original playthrough, and the fact that they're like part of this house and Edelgard herself, and then there are new characters. I just and you do so much of the same like uh, managing of like the party that you do in um, Three Houses that like the in-between moments feel the same and then it's just swapping out turn-based battles for turn-based strategy battles for um muso style uh fights Uh and like i don't know that's fine like that that's a fair trade i'm i'm enjoying it way more than i thought that's really cool i mean just talking about that makes me remember how much i loved playing fire emblem three houses and love like little characters in the world yeah of that um Probably not enough to, like, buy Three Hopes. Check out that demo, man. But, yeah, definitely check out the demo. Uh, Mark, you've been playing Dragon Quest XI S, Echoes and Elusive Age Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch. Yes. And I need to know how that's going. I have rolled credits on Dragon Quest XI S, Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch. Credits have been rolled. Yes. Um, so I ended up doing like a little bit when I went into like the Fortress of Fear, I think it's called, which is kind of like the final uh, area where you fight the boss, uh, the main boss of the game. I was like, I went in around level 50 mm-hmm. and I uh, beat like the initial boss or whatever, like kind of like sub boss at level i was probably like level 52 yeah and then he turns into like a skeleton made of uh, many skeletons so that was that's like the um even like the guy before that i'm forgetting oh, okay. i'm blanking on his name right now yeah. but uh, uh and so i finished that about like level 52 and so i went and i did a lot of grinding um probably for like a couple of hours and then went back and like the the final encounter with this like um uh the final boss and then like his second form like actually wasn't that bad yeah, all sure. things considered mm-hmm. um so i i'm at the end of act 2 right the game is over you roll credits yeah. the the world, adventure is over the world tree uh-huh. is restored yes. everybody's happy and then it teases you with like there's more there's like this like other chapter right but i haven't even bothered to like start that oh my so we can't even talk about what it is <laughs> you we can't talk about it because i'm never gonna go check you're so never gonna go you're I, done i i think you've rolled credits you're I, done. I think i'm done and so uh 
Mark, this is a. I, can I please just tell you what? I what well, yeah, is. totally. Okay, so here's the spoilers, obviously. Uh huh. Um, so you go to like the. Uh, it's not the Temple of Time. It's the Tower of Time or something like that. So you can travel back in time to before, like before the time jump. Oh. Before the before. Uh, like the World Tree. Yes. Crashes. Be- and before Veronica is dead. Uh-huh. Um, and like try to set things right by traveling back in time, losing progress, like effectively undoing the entire second act, and like trying to save the world before it falls oh that's kind of cool it's kind of cool but i mean it's also it's a little bit it was one of those things where i was like oh god i don't know if i can like yeah i don't know if i can it's the uh, majora's mask problem for me Mm -hmm. i'm like i just fought through all this stuff i don't know that i can undo it to like try and save something else you know yeah um but yeah, that's that's what lies ahead of you. Interesting. Should you choose to uh, uh, engage with it. And I think I am choosing not to engage with it. So I would still recommend that people play this game. But for me, it was really that sweet spot of like after the first few hours through the first act. Yeah. I thought was uh, almost perfection. I, I I loved so many moments in that. It was so many just like... Uh, highs after highs after highs with these the little like mm-hmm. story vignettes and the character moments i thought all of that was amazing um act two i really struggled with and i think it comes there are moments where it comes together and i thought it was overall very satisfying but um the pacing of act two i just thought was not very fun um and so while i would still really recommend it Dragon Quest Eleven S Echoes and Elusive Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch. My experience with it, not my favorite Dragon Quest game. Wow, a different Dragon Quest is Mark's favorite Dragon Quest game. Um, the the thing that I will say uh, about the third act, uh, should you, and I know you're saying that you're not going to go back to it, is that if you have if you reach the end of Act Two and you're like, yes, this is the end of the story. Um, but I didn't. I could go for another bite at the apple with these mechanics, with these characters, with these with, characters. With That's these, the yes, thing that I yes. could see like going back for. Well, and like these skill tree. Like if 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 the gameplay part of it, if the battle, if the character like leveling and like the equipment stuff, like if that has uh, enraptured you, the game does have a hundred more challenges for you that you have to be like top tier to take on. Um, like there is more, there are more ways that the game can like make you struggle with the tools you already have. Um, so in that way, it's almost like its own sequel, right? Um, or its own, like, it's better than a new game plus, right? Cause it's, uh, it's genuinely new content. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not surprised that by the end of act two, you're like, okay, I'm done with this. That's mostly where I was too. I sort of like kept going because, uh, I played over a lot shorter interval than you did. Um, so like I had all this momentum built up that like I had, I just, I needed it in my life still. Um, if you are in a place where you're ready to let it go, then Mark, I say, let it go. But I mean, what you're saying, because truly this game, I think the mechanics are excellent. Like I had fun in the battles. I feel like there is so, because the party that I ended up with was the hero, um, Hendrick, Rab and Silvando. Yeah. And so that was my party. But I Ooh, know, all the boys. Okay, but, <laughs> but I know that like there is so much more opportunity for me to go back and like Jade is awesome. Yeah, like what happens if I get Jade in the party? You know, what happens if I get um, uh, Serena in the party? Yeah. Right? You know, like there's so many like unexplored avenues, and, and there's when you still go back so in many time, like, Veronica in the party too. <laughs> Excuse me. Exactly. Plus all the different weapon types I never explored. The skill trees are huge. Like there is so much to like about the game. I think the um, poor the the poor story in Act Two kind of wore me down. Yeah. Where um, because what I think Dragon Quest Eleven S Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch does so well when it is firing on all cylinders is. You get the gang together, and the gang is a joy to be around. And yes. you just want to be around the, them forever, and you just want to continue with that. And Act 2 is all about taking that away and then rebuilding it, but it never rebuilds it to the same point that it does in Act 1, where you have the opportunity to really like 
all be together. Right. Well, and because crucially, they are all never together yeah. again because Veronica dies. Yep. Um, and like that is one of the. It's one of the ways that the game is disappointing, even if it is intentionally so. Like that loss feels real because she is the last piece. She's the last one. Yeah. And if you can just collect her, then you've done it. You've you've gotten the gang back together. But it denies you that. And so maybe really, um, it's almost un like. Look, the game is what it is. They put the credit roll where they put it. Like yeah. they're saying, you know, this is the end, and the rest of this is bonus content. But I wonder. If well, actually, I guess you're saying you go back in time to like when Veronica was there, and I think that's a lot of that is very appealing to me. But I think it's not actually what would like fix quote unquote the game for me. Right. It's like I really wanted chap chapter two to not be the end of the game, and there to be a chapter three that allowed this newly formed party to regain its or relearn whatever um, uh, chemistry. It was going to have. Right, right. You know, and mm -hmm. it, it feels like that's kind of what's missing is there's no satisfying conclusion because, yes, you defeat, like, the big bad. But at what cost? And, and you know, yeah. like, there's no high like there is in Act 1, yeah. in Act 2. So the game just kind of, like, ends because the the big bad in, in Dragon Quest Eleven. Uh, and you know the rest. <laughs> Do you know what? No, I'm committed. Hey, Dragon Quest you. in Dragon Quest 11s Echoes of Elusive Age Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch. The overarching story, like the main villain of the game, is meaningless. Has no presence. Shows up like at you right. know like basically the end of each act to be the bad boss. But otherwise, does not like is not an. Uh, He's not a character. He's not a character. Right. He's just yeah. there to be like an obstacle. And so the fact that Act 2 kind of like uh, is just all building to confronting this boss, it just feels a little hollow. I just wish that there was, that the credits didn't roll at Act 2 and there was an Act 3 that let my newly formed party kind of like have the same or a similar experience to what you get in Act One, right? Well, and like this is, uh, I think, uh, the the part part where I will push back a little bit on the idea that Act Three is bonus is like bonus content. Yes, they like they roll the credits at the end of Act Two, which does make like a pretty strong argument for you finish the game. Um, but like, it is such a like fully realized uh, like section of of that game. That like I think calling it bonus content is maybe selling it short. It is like genuine story, um, and I think like in the canon of it, the story continues. Um, but yeah, I mean it's just it 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 definitely is one of those things where like the the easy parallel for me is Final Fantasy VI, uh, which also has a, a the world ends as as one of the, one of the story beats. Um, but like when you get the team back together and you do it painstakingly one character at a time until you've reunited all 14 uh, characters from Final Fantasy VI, um, when that finally happens, however many of them you get together, because the game doesn't require you to have, I think, it's, I think you only need four, um, maybe even only three to uh, make that final assault on Kefka's Tower, um, that like they all have uh, a little moment at the end they have like a story in the lead up to the end and then a moment at the end where they all find some semblance of peace or like some have some idea of where they're going in this new world. And I think that is what Dragon Quest 11S Echoes of the Elusive Age Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch is missing. Yeah, it's weird because I, I agree with you. It in those moments, I think were intended to happen and they... You know, you can go down and name, like, uh, yeah, like, this is clearly where Eric's was when he's able to, like, reconcile with his sister. You know, like, all that kind of stuff. Like, they happen, but it just, I think just, like, the pacing was off. It doesn't well, and you have, also like, need the, them to happen with each other, right? Yes, like, and that does not happen. can't all be external. Uh -huh. um, and, like, that is, uh, to just go back to fi Final Fantasy, um, like, Shadow and Realm and Shrago, like, that's those are three playable characters and their stories intersect with each other and they make peace with each other. Terra makes peace with the rest of the party asking things of her. Um, Edgar and Sabin uh, reconcile their, like, brother relationship. Like, there are so many of the characters that you care about where 
the thing that they need to resolve is with each other. Um, that is so much more powerful than like just them with an external force. Yeah. And so uh, again, like overall, I enjoy Dragon Quest XI S Echoes of Elusive Age Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch. I am really glad that I played it. That may be the last time we say it. It might. It probably won't be. <laughs> it won't be. Uh, it, like the highs. It's on sale later in this episode. <laughs> we'll say it then. The highs, I think, are so high. And it's not a, at no point is it a bad game. It's almost like the first act is so good that when the second act isn't as good, it's a little disappointing. Yeah. But I would still um, recommend it as an experience for sure. Um, well, the end of an era, Mark. I'm, I'm, I'm proud I of know. you. No, I can't. I can't. I can't. I kind of can't believe it happened. Um, I've also been playing Overboard, which is a game that I picked up last year, but um, w- finally got around to trying out. I believe it's available on many other platforms, including mobile. And it's another one that even if you don't get it on Switch, I would suggest you pick it up. It's a game where you play as a, um, it's like in the... 19- Goldie Hawn. <laughs> it's like the 1930s. And uh, you are on a ship crossing from England to America, and you murder your husband by pushing him overboard. And the rest of the game is you trying to not get caught. Hmm. And so uh, the each like round happens fairly quickly. I would guess that it's maybe like ten or fifteen minutes because you have like six in-game hours, which is you know I'll say fifteen minutes. Yeah. Um, to you know, like cover up the crime, talk to figure out like who saw or who may have seen and how you're going to like get out of it. And so the game really rewards playing over and over because there's different parts of the ship and people move there at oh, different times. Cool. And like, so, you know, like uh, one example is you lost your earring on the deck. And if you go at certain times, nobody will be there and you can just grab it or somebody might different people might be there and they have different interactions and you have to like Mm. talk to them and do different things. It's just, it's really fun. I highly recommend it. I don't think it's very expensive and um, it is just a really like fun, well-written, satisfying kind of like murder mystery thing. That's, that's I guess not even a mystery. You know, you did it. (laughs) Uh, It's like like a Columbo. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then finally, I have a question for you, Patrick. I have a question for our listeners. Is it too late for me to get into Mario Strikers Battle League? Well, so what prompts this question? Is that just you were traveling when the game came out? Exactly. I was traveling when the game came out, didn't have an internet connection. So I haven't, like, I haven't bought it yet. And it kind of feels like, and maybe I'm just not aware of it because I was disconnected for a week, but it doesn't feel like there's a lot of community around it. It it does feel like the moment has passed already. Seems fast. Um, But, you know, I, I, I... think that uh anything that i'm not tuned into <laughs> right exactly past. so you know what, what what does that mean yeah if it's not right in front of me at the moment right it yeah. is are, are there any other podcasts but this one <laughs> i think this is the only one um all other podcasts have passed um th- no that i that that's an excellent question i would say it is too late to get into mario strikers battle league but i believe some of our listeners are, are playing and we talked about creating like sure le- did yeah leagues of a league of our own and and so I, I was really interested in this game, but I'm a little bit worried about trying to get into it now. Um, so I'm just I'm just looking for people's ideas or feedback. Mark's on that. looking for advice. Yeah, I'm looking for advice. Um, so hit us up on Twitter or um, email us Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. All right, that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. Thursday, June 30th, Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak is released. And can you believe that this is already coming out? No, man. I mean, I guess we're at the end of June, so like that's what happens. Games that they say are coming out this summer are, actually start coming out this summer. Yeah, wild. Uh, I guess speaking of which, also on June 30th, Cuphead The Delicious Last Course, the DLC for Cuphead, is released as well. Um, now this is interesting. Uh, Cuphead, a game that I never beat... Um, but enjoyed. I enjoyed quite a bit. Yeah, and actually got pretty deep into it too. Um, there was just one like uh, theater boss that I couldn't uh, couldn't wrap my head around, um, and therefore n- never beat. Uh, it makes me wonder if uh, the delicious last course um, sort of like resets that difficulty um, 
you know, the, the, the curve, like back to the beginning and then like ramps itself up. I'm going to like feel out here, see, uh, what kind of reception this gets uh, and then probably check it out. Cause I really liked, um, the original. Or is it like super Mario brothers to Japan where they're Which just like, keeps getting harder. Yeah, yeah. They're just like starting w- with the idea that you've mastered the original cuphead, which I, I feel like is the norm for DLC like this messengers right? DLC was like that too. Messenger's right. DLC was hard right out the gate. Yeah. Um, and like I got back up into shape for it, but like, I'm not going to, I can't, I can't do that with cuphead. I simply cannot. Yeah. Uh, also, two sales that I wanted to call out. So right now in the U.S. eShop, the Nintendo's holding a big old super sale. Big old super sale. Now until July 6th at 11.59 p.m. Pacific time. There are a ton of games that are on sale. Just wanted to call a few of these out. Um, Castlevania Advance Collection is $13.39, usually 20 bucks. Did you pick up the Castlevania Advance Collection? I did. I haven't played it really any of it yet. I really only played the first one, which my understanding is the worst of them. Which one is that? Circle of the Moon? Uh, like, I Harmony know. of <laughs> Aria of Sorrow? I, I can't remember. Yeah, Harmony of Dissonance, or is that one of them? <laughs> it sounds like it should be. Yep. Um, Dark Souls Remastered is 20 bucks instead of 40 Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze is $41.99 instead of 60 Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze is an amazing game. Now, was Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze originally $50 on the Wii U? Sure. <laughs> is it weird that they charge $60 for it now? Yeah, kind of. Forty-one ninety-nine is cheaper than fifty bucks. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, and hey, here we go. Dragon Quest Eleven S Echoes of Elusive Age Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch is only thirty-four ninety-nine. Regularly fifty bucks. I bought it so long ago that I forgot that it was only fifty dollars when it was released. Yeah, me too. I feel like I paid sixty for it. <laughs> Hades is fifteen dollars. Paper Mario: The Origami King is forty-one ninety-nine instead of sixty. This is a great game, worth picking up. Persona 5 Strikers, 30 bucks instead of 60 Shin Megami Tensei 5 is now $42. Super Mario Odyssey is 42 bucks. Tetris Effect Connected, $24. A Th- great game. This a is, great game. This is one that maybe I need to pick up because I still haven't played up, it. Yeah. yeah. It's so good. Um, Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE Encore is $42. I love this game. Did not expect to love it as much as I did. Super into it. And then Zelda, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening for the Switch is $42 as well. Um, I'll call out just a, a couple more. Super Mario Maker 2 is $42. Um, uh, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic is $11.24. Um, and Part-Time UFO is $6.29. Normally it's $9. Bucks. Um, this is what it's going to take for me to uh, actually buy it on the Switch after having played it on, on my phone. Um also, Monster Hunter Rise that with that new DLC out is thirty dollars and fifty nine cents down from sixty. Um, I think this game sometimes get uh, gets price cuts, but this is half price. Yeah, right? so I guess probably with this and I don't know how much Sunbreak is, but probably like you're paying sixty bucks for yeah both for the parts for the of thing. it. Yeah, uh, Capcom is also running a sale now through July seventh, and they have uh, other games on there as well. But I wanted to call out the great deals available on Mega Man games right now. You can get Mega Man 11 for 10 bucks, uh, Mega Man Legacy Collection and Legacy Collection 2, plus the Mega Man X Legacy Collection and Legacy X Legacy Collection 2 are all $8 each. Each, each, each one, each, yes. each one is $8. And the Mega Man Zero and ZX Legacy Collection is 15 bucks instead of 30 um, And we had a little discussion in the Discord the other day about uh, like which Mega Man games uh, to revisit. Uh, and I think that there are... Um, you know, in, in the original Legacy Collection, there's like five games worth playing. In the second Legacy Legacy Collection, there are at least two that are worth playing. Nine and ten are both uh, v- very good games. Um, X, so the first like three X games are all very good. I can't really speak to uh, Legacy Collection 2. I don't know if any of those games are good. Um, but you have a lot of choices here. And even Mega Man 11, um, while not being... Uh, kind of as good as like the classic ones is still a very fun, very fast, um, frenetic uh, execution of the Mega Man formula. Um, I think these are all good purchases. Uh, possibly, personally, and for me, the uh, Mega Man Zero um, ZX Legacy Collection not as appealing, but um, but still for fifteen bucks, it's half price. Like it's a it's a lot of good games for not a lot of money. Um, all right, uh, so those are the new releases and some games that are on sale. Let's close this segment out. 
Now it is time for a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or group of performers didn't play their instruments for four minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark, today we are going to be ranking the Mission Impossible films. Love this series. Love the series. Yep. It's great. Tom Cruise is single-handedly saving cinema. <laughs> um, I said when before we got started here that I was going to introduce a wrinkle. Yes. Um, Lay it on me. So we all know that there are six Mission Impossible movies at present. Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible 2, Mission Impossible 3, Miss, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, and Miss, Mission Impossible Fallout. I would like to put forward... That there is a seventh Mission Impossible movie called Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm not going to argue that Top Gun is part of the series. No. But Top Gun Maverick, absolutely. It has is. all the DNA. It has all the DNA. Yeah, totally. Um, and so I just I, I think it would be insincere for us not to include it in our ranking of the No Mission opposition for me. This Perfect. feels very correct. Perfect. Um, so uh you know, we, we love this franchise. I think for me, there's an obvious bottom of the list, and that's Mission Impossible 2. I agree. And I would say right above Mission Impossible 2 is Mission Impossible 3. I like Mission Impossible 3, but it's uh, my... I, I would put it there. Um, I, I would also put it there, but... For me, the gulf between two and three is... It's difficult to overstate. Yes, yes. Thank you. Um, there is a moment... A moment in Mission Impossible 2 where Anthony Hopkins uh, is like playing the boss and he tells Ethan Hunt, um, it's not mission difficult, it's mission impossible. <laughs> That's the caliber of movie we're dealing with. It's a very, it's like really, it's just a very chaotic movie. Yes. I, yes. I really like, um, uh, uh, sorry, I'm blanking on her name, Fandy Newton. Yes. Yeah, I think she's great. I, yeah, she is really good. Like, I think she's really good. Um, it's just it's just a bonkers movie. There's like uh, the cars flamenco dance with each other. Yeah, it doesn't know? it doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, um, we're stalling here because I think then it's a five way tie for first place <laughs> <laughs> between Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol, uh, Rogue Nation, Fallout, and Top Gun Maverick. I have such <laughs> I have such a soft spot in my heart for the first Mission Impossible movie. So do it I. It is in some way it is in some ways very different from the you know like the later entries in it. But I think like as a you know like um, mystery as like a spy thriller is is yeah. just like so good. And the um, when they're breaking into Langley, that sequence is just awesome. So it's iconic. Um, I guess what I would say is I would go um, Rogue Nation, Ghost Protocol, uh, Fallout Maverick, Mission Impossible, Impossible Two. One. No. Mission Impossible 1. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Mission Impossible 1. And then with Fallout at the top? I think so. So I think I think uh, I unequivocally agree with you that Fallout is the best <laughs> one. Um, do, you, do you like Mission Impossible 1 more than you like Top Gun Maverick? I I think let I, me let me make a case for Top Gun Maverick <laughs> for just a second. Okay, because uh, I I, I you you're right about like the original like being so specific and having like that incredible iconic sequence. And there's obviously some recency bias with Top Gun Top Gun Maverick. The thing that separates those two movies for me in like a huge way. I mean, first of all, Top Gun Maverick just has like better action than uh, Mission Impossible. But I know what's happening at every second in Top Gun Maverick. There are huge stretches of the original Mission Impossible that even on a deep rewatch, multiple times having seen it, I don't know who anyone is or <laughs> what's going on. Or their motivations. <laughs> or their motivations, yes. Yeah, I, I, I do think... I, th I do, That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I, that's fair. I think, like, I loved, as a kid, the first Mission Impossible movie yeah. so much that, like, my personal ranking would mm. probably have it higher. But I agree with you as, like filmmaking yes um i also think that maverick is of such a piece of these like later movies 
Yes. Uh, yes, shoot. That, that makes sense. Oh, that, that, that is the applause. Uh, we were accompanied today by... I'm not sure that we got a, a complete <laughs> ranking there, but what are you there, there's a, the, the pieces are there. Yeah, you can put it together. You can, you can, you can assemble the, the pieces. Uh, we were accompanied today by listener Stephen. Thank you, for Stephen, for uh, sending that, making that and sending it to us. Um, all right, Mark, let's get into the news. A Nintendo Direct mini partner showcase is happening this morning at 6 a.m. Pacific time. So very likely by the time you listen to this, you will know all the news um, from the showcase. So there's no really no real point in speculating about it here. Um, we are going to be talking about it on Thursday's episode. Uh, everything that is there, everything that is not there, what we think this means, why they would push out a, a third party uh, showcase during the June window, just barely eking it out the door to technically get it done in June. We'll talk about all of that on Thursday. But last week, Nintendo held a Xenoblade Chronicles 3 Direct, blowing out details on the game ahead of its release next month. Um, and, you know, we're, we will I probably talk about um, the, at least the parts that interested us in this Direct, because I, you and I, Patrick, have a fairly hot and cold relationship with Xenoblade Chronicles as a series. I've never played any of them, but you give the you give them a good like good old college try each I give time them they're a released. Try. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I would define it as uh, good or college. Um but uh yeah I I, I, I do I, I've tried both um the uh, Xenoblade Chronicles two and the definitive edition uh, and I find different hurdles in, in each one. Um, some of it just uh, in terms of like the presentation and story um, and sometimes in terms of like the uh, gameplay and like sort of battle systems that I find to be a little bit in, in, incomprehensible um, for, for my tastes. Uh, and I know that I have been coached by some of our listeners to like just put it on easy mode, put it on like auto battle um, and enjoy the experience for what it is. I have not been able to apply that mentality to a playthrough of either of the existing games in the series yet. Um, but uh, yeah, to your point of uh, run sort of like hot and cold, I think the hot side of it is that for whatever experiences we do have with these games, there is something undeniably interesting about the series. Uh, did you find that to be true watching this direct? Yeah, so I watching this, I was genuinely... I finished this direct being like, I think I want to buy this game. Right? I think I want to try this game, which is not really an experience that I have had with previous Xenoblade Chronicles games. Um, I found the... And maybe it's just like a really good showing in the trailer and in the reality of it, it will not be this way. But I found the game to be really beautiful and aesthetically interesting in a way that like... I've, I thought that Xenoblade Chronicles 2 was kind of like over the top in its um, fan service. Yeah. This one did not come across that way to me. Uh, I thought the story was interesting or like the idea of it is interesting where they talk about the, the characters have 10 years to live and there's, a, you know, some like villain or bad guy or antagonist who is, you know, still in people's life to increase their own. Right. Well, and also the, uh, the, this like kind of cool premise of like the, the two warring nations and your party is made up of three members from each of those nations like that are outcasts on something like. They're like forced to come together. Yeah. Like there's there's just a lot of the sort of um, like the sort of smaller scale high concept drama that feels very interesting to me um, in a way that like uh, here are people living on like two giants as they like do perpetual battle like that, that one feels over the top and the other feels like an interesting uh, like vein to mine for like for drama. Yeah. And I also, for whatever reason, I felt like even though the uh, mostly Xenoblade Chronicles two is the game that looms in my mind when I'm talking about this, even though, like, aesthetically, both games have this, like, sci-fi bend yeah. to them, uh -huh. I felt like I was more drawn to the design of Xenoblade Chronicles 3 than I have been to the other Xenoblade Chronicles games. Yeah, I, 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 I totally buy that. And for me, some of that comes back to the sort of, uh, like, objectification of the, the, the female characters. There's still a little bit of the, like, uh, I think two of the six uh, main characters are... Um, like young women and like there's a little bit of that like sort of like lowly uh, angle to them but not in a like hyper sexualized way just in like a 
they present very young kind of way. Um, but, and you know, that's whatever it is. Um, but that's so different from the way a similar character would be presented in Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Yeah. I also felt, I thought it was interesting that in the direct, at least in the beginning, they go through such pains when they're explaining the, I guess, general battle system, initial battle system, whatever you want to call it. It seems like there's a million systems in this game. But uh, they kind of go through pains to show how not complicated it can be. They're like, you can... All you, you have to do is move close to the enemy and you start attacking Yeah, and it's yeah. like, you ma- you can map this like special attack to these face buttons so that way it's easy to access. And yes, later they start going into more and more systems and it's like, well, even if all of these systems are on the same complexity of the first one you showed me, it's still like maybe too many systems for me to wrap my mind around. At, at least in the context of a 20-minute presentation. <laughs> right, on it. right. Yeah. But I did think that it was, in, like, again, just some of the stuff they showed I thought was really interesting, like how you can recruit heroes to your party, and the heroes have their, there's like six of them, and they each have their own, you know, like uh, style or classes that are special and, like, unique to them, and how they can complement, like, the rest of your party. Like, I don't... I do not know what it is about Xenoblade Chronicles 3 that appeals to me in, like, the Xenoblade Chronicles 2 and the original Xenoblade Chronicles, like, doesn't. But there is something about this that I'm like, I I think I could get into this. Yeah, I mean, I think it just showed really well. Um, It's also in, you know, I I do end up feeling this, like, anytime we see, like, the games, uh, any game in the series, like, shown off, that, like, they are just impressively big looking. Like, um, they they are a, a graphical showcase, if if nothing else. Um, just a couple other things to uh, touch on here. We mentioned the uh, Ouroboros in, in, in the uh, opening joke for the show, um, but just uh, melding two characters together and, like, becoming one sort of, like, Voltron of two characters and unleashing special abilities based on their, like, shared properties or, you know, whatever um, – is a cool, a uh, cool little thing that'll be fun to explore. Yeah, um, and then also uh, they came right out the gate with this one saying there will be an expansion pass, uh, expansion pass content um, that uh, I don't believe they. Oh yes, they did put a price on it, um, twenty nine ninety nine, um, and that it will uh, have all kinds of extra stuff in it, including a uh, eventually a new bit of story content. Um, which they've been good about on uh, on, on the Switch games. Um, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 had the Torn of the Golden Country. Um, which and was basically a, in a new game, which is like basically a new a campaign. New game, right, um, albeit shorter. Um, and uh, the Definitive Edition came with uh, Future Connected, which again was just a couple hours, but like a new story uh, that sort of like melded uh, the, the timelines from the first two games together. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it, they're, they're planning to do the same thing here. I also thought it was funny that you can use any amiibo with the game. It feels a little like, I mean, I guess maybe there aren't a ton of Xenoblade Chronicles. Currently there's one. Right. So (laughs) I guess they didn't really have like. Currently it's just Shulk. A ton ton of other options. Are we going to get Pyra and Mithra at some point? We think so. Someday. But but yeah, I I just thought it's funny that we're at the point in Amiibo's life cycle where they're just like, "Eh, any, any amiibo will do. You want to get your game and watch? You want to get your Wario in there? Whatever. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Just, just swipe yeah. them in there. You get, have get some bonus. Yeah, use it. Um, I also feel like just because before we started recording, we went through such pains to figure out how to pronounce the name of the we got to do it the setting for the uh, Xenoblade Chronicles three that it is uh, Ionios. 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 Yes. There yeah. we go. We figured it out. We have to get it out there because we <laughs> we did the research. That's the name of the world that the game takes place in. Ionios. That's right. Yeah. yeah, and it, it, I, it again, it seems like the story like somehow can they say it connects the futures of Xenoblade Chronicles two and like the original Xenoblade, um, but doesn't really. They're not saying like this is the conclusion of the trilogy or anything. Right. It just seems like another entry in the story. But this is one I will say. I just finished Dragon Quest XI S Echoes and Elusive Age Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch, so that was like a big JRPG that I had been chipping away at for a long time. Live Alive is coming out in just a few weeks. Yes. Uh, Just a few weeks, I think, before Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Uh, I still want to play Chrono Cross. Um, 
did you ever get past like that part where no, the, yeah the, the wall that i had uh-huh. i think i need to start over well and also at, at this point i'm sort of waiting for it because they got to patch it at some point right like, it's just because the performance on it is so poor in places um at least I hope they're they're gonna patch it at some point. I, I I I will wait for that. But you know, Chrono Cross is out there. Like I, but and I think probably Live Alive trumps my wanting yeah. to play Xenoblade Chronicles three. But I think that Xenoblade Chronicles three could be like a um uh Tokyo Mirage sessions for me, where sure. I come to it later. But you know, it, there's no rule that says you have to play a game when it's on initial release right and there is a rule that a golden retriever can't do it um but i I also think we're we're hitting a little bit of a uh, like a critical mass of uh important jrpgs um on switch that i think you and i need to like uh do a little planning or strategizing and like work that into this show somehow um because i have loved hearing your regular updates about dragon quest 11 as i could of elusive definitive edition for the nintendo switch and i would love to replace that with something else or like use that on this show in, in some way so if that's live alive if that's uh any of the xenoblade games um Whatever it is, I'm just like TBD. Something, something. Yeah, is, that would be fun. Look out for this space, especially here. if we could play it together. Like yes. we could like kind of experience it together, especially something with like Live Alive. Uh, any of these games are so big that you could have very different experiences. Right. But Live Alive especially feels like it could be interesting to see how our yeah. experiences differ. Yep. So yes, to be determined. T B determined. <laughs> <laughs> but I. Uh, you know, we got that Xenoblade Chronicles 3 Direct last week. We are experiencing a partner showcase right now. Direct mini partner showcase. That's right. Does Nintendo have more first-party games to show off for release in 2022? What a great question. Giant Bomb's Jeff Grubb appeared on Monday's Game Mess Morning Show and said that, quote, I can say that I've been told pretty definitively that Metroid Prime Remastered is going to be one of their, meaning Nintendo's, big holiday games. Okay. Here's the thing. Metroid Prime, Trilogy, Remake, Trilogy Remake, I will believe it <laughs> That's what, yeah, this is where when I see it. So... He also says that a November release would line up with the 20th anniversary of the original Metroid Prime. Makes sense. Um, when when has that mattered? When has that mattered? <laughs> it's not when the has 35th. Something, when has something making sense mattered is, yeah. is, is my question. But, but I, I agree with you. I mean, we've heard rumors of Metroid Prime coming back in some form or another for probably since 20. 18 2017 yeah. and and this is apart from metroid prime 4 yeah which is another yeah. pillar that i will believe when i see um so j- just to throw this last part in there or i guess two parts grub also says mentioned that prime 2 and prime 3 are getting remastered not necessarily remade like metroid prime 1 but uh, that you know so like maybe getting gyro controls or uh, uh remastered graphics but not like the complete like rebuild that met the metroid prime is presumably getting or allegedly getting but that they would release a separate title sometime in the future so it wouldn't even necessarily be like we're waiting for all of these to come out and then four comes out right. it could be it could be nobody knows um nobody's even really speculating it right. could be prime this year four next year and two and three come you know like down the line you say nobody's speculating but mark you just did it <laughs> um yeah it's a uh... That feels like a weird move too, right? Of uh, remake remaking one and then simply remastering two and three. I don't know. Yeah, it, it feels I, it feels weird. The, the the whole the whole approach here is strange. Yeah, I mean, n- I I feel like none of it makes sense. None of it will make sense until we see it, right? And even then, it may not make sense. But right. like we've, there are just so many like pieces out there. Yeah. And so many things that we've Something heard. Something must and like, be true. Yeah. Uh, like, it's just difficult to know, like, what is true and what to expect. Like, could Metroid Prime 1 remake be coming out this November? Sure, I'd believe it. But I would equally believe that it's not a real thing that it, and it's never going to happen. Right. Yeah. Both feel equally true to me. Um, the here, Here's what I will say. Um, even if 
uh, a Prime 1 remake and just a remaster of 2 and 3 feels odd. I have to remember, have to we all have to, that they released a 3D Mario collection that included Galaxy but not Galaxy 2. Right. Right? So, like, whatever these guys are going to do, they're just going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I... I guess I like the timing of it. Like, let's say November. Sure. Like, I I feel like Pokemon and Metroid Prime are such different target audiences. Yeah, probably. And true. the overlap is that is there are people that are going to buy both games, right? They're not yeah. like competing yeah. audiences. Yeah. Uh, well, like uh, uh, Metroid Dread did not get in the way of Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. Right. So, like, yeah. I also think that a Metroid Prime remake would be massively successful. Yeah, I agree uh, with that. Um, if done well, you know, uh, I think it would be enormously successful. So d- just, I guess, to repeat myself, could this be true? Absolutely. Would it make sense? if Let's say this is true. Let's say Nintendo, or even if it's not Metroid Prime, but it is, there is another Nintendo game primed for this year. Do you think that um, we should expect a traditional direct do you think that I mean it, it's it's so tough when they when they're are when they're about to drop slash have already dropped a uh, you know mini partner showcase um, that like they don't normally fill fill up a direct with their own stuff why shoot the shot of the partner showcase now for like another like we'll get another direct in September right like that's sure that, maybe that, that, that's likely yeah um, but I could see them just like I mean, remember how we got uh, Origami King is just like a here's a trailer that yeah. popped up on Twitter. Like, I feel like that's the era that we are approaching. Um, although, like, if it's Prime or Prime Four, like, that doesn't feel big enough, does it? I wonder if they would do a like if they had something for Metroid Prime Four to show. Like, if they wanted to, I wonder if they would do a Metroid Direct. Yeah, sure. Because it's it. It doesn't feel likely to me. I guess you could get like a direct mini, just like a first party yeah, focus, yeah, like yeah. direct mini. Like they, at this point, the fact that they brought back partner showcases, anything could happen. And brought back the mini branding as well. Like they're, they're both, both of these two pieces separately are surprising to see again, let alone in tandem with each other. But I would absolutely buy a Metroid Prime 1 remake. Oh, yeah, you would just buy it. I thought yeah. you were saying like you would believe a Metroid Prime uh, one that part too. Did, but yeah, yeah, but if it does exist, I will absolutely purchase. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yes, it's a that's a day one purchase. Given that we're done talking about we're the done. casting of the Mario movie we're, on this show, we're done. Here are two quotes from the past week from Variety about it. Wait, we're, we were done talking about the casting? I thought we were just done talking about the movie. <laughs> well, it feels like we're, we're going to have to talk about the movie right, again. All right, all right. Yeah. Well, until a trailer came came out, right? Oh, like, sure, I that was, sure. Those were the rules that we set yeah. for ourselves. And those are still the rules. Here's two quotes yes. about the movie. This so, is someone else talking about it. So from Illumination <laughs> CEO Chris Melandandri, who, again, is now like a, a – board member or like yeah, special he's, he's fellow a, or something. I, th- I think a board with member Nintendo, Nintendo of Japan talking about the casting of Chris Pratt quote, Chris was cast because we felt he could give a great performance as Mario. And of course this is him talking about Chris Pratt and not himself in the third person. That's right. That's right. And now that we've done about 15 recording sessions and the movie is three quarters done. I sit here and say that I love his performance as Mario. I think we're going to be just fine. Oh my God. Especially because Pratt he's, or uh, because he, meaning Pratt, has given such a strong performance, end quote. Let's talk about this for a second. Okay. Um, about 15 recording sessions, and the movie is three quarters done. What is going on here? I, I feel Why like... Why are they not deeper into this thing? <laughs> well, 15? I... He's been doing it for three weeks? What's happening? I... Uh... I I know that Jurassic World uh, press junket is uh, a grueling ordeal, but so I I am definitely not an expert on the um, creation of animated movies. But again, I I would recommend watching on Disney Plus. There, it's I think it's called Into the Unknown, but it's about the making of Frozen Two and what whatever you think about Frozen Two, it is really fascinating to see like how it came together and yeah. how like down to the wire it is. And we the movie just got delayed from December just a few weeks ago, so it does. Based on like the limited information I have about how animated films are created, it does not surprise me in the least that they're three quarters of the way done at this point, and that like 
probably across those 15 recording sessions, the script has changed like 30 times. Right. Each one could have been a different uh, script entirely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so now let's hear from the mustache himself. Chris Pratt says uh, in a different Variety article, but both in Variety, said, quote, I worked really closely with the directors and trying out a few things and landed on something that I'm really proud of and can't wait for people to see and hear. It's an animated voiceover narrative. It's not a live action movie. I'm not going to be wearing a plumber suit running all over. I'm providing a voice for an animated character and it is updated and unlike anything you've heard in the Mario world before. Okay, first of all, are we worried that he's like... So I don't know if you need this explained to you, but <laughs> I'm just doing the voice for the character. I'm not running around in a suit. I guess he's trying to reassure people that it's not going to be like too. The way I read that is it's him trying to reassure people it's not going to be too Chris Pratt. Mm, yes, which I think is the concern. I think right? so too. Yeah, um, and that's also what uh, Melodandri is also sort of driving at too. Of like he's doing a voice. He, you're not going to think that you're hearing. Owen Grady from Jurassic World. Right, it's not going to be like Look so pulling distracting. pulling that name out of nowhere. <laughs> That's it. That is truly thank impressive. You, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, Are your fears assuaged? How do you feel? I desperately both really want to see footage from this movie and have like even yes. a basic understanding of what this movie is, but also dread the day yes. when the trailer comes out. Do you know what I actually think is going to happen is we're going to get a teaser for it that has no talking. That is like a true <gasps> teaser, except maybe at the very end, he says like, it's a me Mario. Interesting. I almost don't think the character will say it's a me Mario at all. Mm-hmm. I think if there's any bit of like Mario dialogue that they actually put in the movie, I mean, it's either all of it, right? And it's all like winks and nods and right. whatever, or a single let's a go. Yeah. Ooh, yes. I could totally see that. So, uh, do I live in fear that every morning, you know, I might wake up and it's the morning that a teaser trailer for the Mario movies released? Like, we live in fear of lots of things. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that uh, that is true. But it's it'll almost be better when it's here and we just have a basic understanding yes. of um, the fear of the unknown is too much for me right now. Right. This is like the opposite of Supreme Court decisions, right? <laughs> Where, like, let's just get to it and then know what we're dealing with yes. and then we can deal with that. Yep. Absolutely. Finally, Nintendo revealed a new band for Splatoon 3, and it's a reformed version of Off the Hook from Splatoon 2. This is insane. Which featured Marina and Pearl. I kind of agree. The new band is called Damp Socks, featuring Off the Hook, and it's Marina, Pearl, and three currently unnamed other members. Their debut single is Candy Coated Rocks. You can listen to it online right now. (laughs) And um, I'm kind of obsessed with the idea that this is like some sort of uh, super group. I, I love that too. I love that it's like like a reverse no doubt that like Gwen Stefani was uh, by herself first and then like teamed up with like a, a, a band. Like it's such a weird narrative. I can't draw like the real life parallels at all. Um, but I love that the lore here is so deep on something so trivial <laughs> as like who are the bands that make the music in the world of Splatoon. <laughs> I love it too. I do feel like the messaging for this game has been a little like I, I don't know if muddied is right. It just feels like there's not It's weird. Yeah. It's I also don't I don't until September, right? That's true. Yeah. And clearly, you know, we just saw this big blowout of for Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Clearly Splatoon 3 is going to get like something similar. I at this point I just don't feel like I know what makes Splatoon 3 special. Right. Like at this point it just feels like it is Splatoon and then here are some details about the people who make the music inside <laughs> yeah. the world of the game. Yeah, it's just it's it's just very odd. Um but like they they do I guess Pokemon does this too. Um, like they move so much news about the game through the language of like the in-game world. Like po- Pokemon definitely does that, right? Where it's like, here's what Pokemon researchers have discovered. That's almost literally the exact same language that they use in Splatoon of like our ink researchers, our squid researchers, whatever, have discovered these kinds of new inklings or what have you. Um and it's just like that's such a hard way to parse out what it means for the human participants in these games. Yeah, and I, you know, we've seen like uh, uh, ink 
battles. Oh man, what are turf those war. called? Turf, turf wars. You know, but like we just and we know that Salmon Run is coming back, but we just I just feel like we haven't seen what makes Splatoon three special. Right. And um, I'm really excited for Splatoon three. I love 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 Splatoon two. And but I I'm just waiting for that like you know like hook. Yeah. Yeah. Pun uh, acknowledged. <laughs> uh, all right, Mark. Let's get out of the news. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're getting your podcasts. Um, if you like the episode, please share it on Facebook or Twitter or, or any kind of social media platform. Uh, when you share stuff, it helps us out tremendously. So thank you for that. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE. Mitchell on the show is at Nin Cart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Anthony DeLuca made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com or by listening right now. From my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellery saying thank you for listening. Thank you.